You are listening to Black Man in the Right World. Hey everybody, this is Mike. This is Grant, and today we're talking about generational trauma. Navigating family dynamics, new and old. And Disney's new movie, Encanto. I think I'm definitely Bruno. For yeah. sure. Hands yeah. down. Because he's like mysterious and magical. I think I'm Mirabelle because I'm the lead. No, no. You're one of Bruno's rats. What? That, that's, yep. What? There's no, no argument. Not we're, not, we're not even going to argue about it. What? All right, Mike. So, an interesting thing happened to me uh, over the weekend. No, oh. uh, actually, I got an invite to the Illuminati. I knew this was going to happen sooner or later. <laughs> what you knew was going to happen? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like uh, white people get invited to the Illuminati, especially you, because you like infiltrated like Black America through me. So they probably so- like gave you an advance, like. You know what's pretty funny is like so. First of all, um, yeah, I guess they must at some point send it to every every white person. But the guy who sent it to me, his name is Garnett Foster. Okay, he sent me uh, this really exclusive invite. Um, How do you know it's Garnett? Well, it's got two T's at the end. Oh, okay. I was like, yeah. he could just be Garnet, but okay, Garnett. Yeah, I think he's Garnett. Um, and let me read you the message because it's really exclusive and really credible. So I think you got to just. You got to just hear it to believe it, you know? Okay. Uh, greetings. And then he sent me three red triangle emojis. <laughs> you know? You that's know oh, that's a symbol. Okay. Yeah, that's that's how you know. That's the, it's authentic. So you would think it'd be a green triangle, you know, because the triangle's on the dollar bell, but no, it's red triangles. That's how you know it's legit Illuminati. Okay. Okay. This is an open invitation for you to become part of the world's biggest conglomerate and reach the peak of your career. You'll gain riches, power, fame, and change your life forever. For the first time in history, our organization is seeking candidates for Illuminati membership from the billions of citizens on this planet. For the first time ever? For the first time ever, they're opening it up to all citizens. Oh, okay. So all people in all places are invited to apply. So are you interested? What should I do, Mike? Should I tell him I want to join the Illuminati? What do you mean? You haven't responded already? No, it just happened over this weekend. Oh, well, should they probably moved on already. I don't like how they said that this is the first time to open it up to everybody. Like, no, don't. You're not going to sell me if you're like, you're saying it's no longer exclusive. We invited everybody. Still keep it exclusive. All right. I said, I'm going to send him a message. I said, yes, I want to apply. Oh, you're going to have a virus. <laughs> <laughs> They can't send me a virus just from sending me a message on Instagram. I don't know. Instagram be tripping lately. The metaverse Mm -hmm. and all of that. His account is private. He says, okay, Garnet Foster, right? A full member of the Illuminati Brotherhood. Oh, he says it in his bio. Yes. Friends, kindly assist me as I lead you through the light. And then he sends two more red triangle emojis. He responded? No, he didn't respond. Oh, uh, we'll I was see gonna, what he says. Okay, I was like, damn, he responded fast. So this, it just came to you as an Instagram message? It wasn't like a letter with like an owl dropped off and Hagrid comes to visit you? No, I wish it was more like Harry Potter. But you oh. know what? The thing is, when you're trying to reach billions of people, owl mail is just not practical. 
I guess. Don't don't send me one then. If it's just a, like a slide into my DMs, you want to join the Illuminati? <laughs> I'm good. The Illuminati did slide into my DMs. Uh, yeah, I would join the Illuminati if it's a different kind of naughty. Oh. Hey. Uh, should crazy. I give Should I give you an update if he sends me an application? Should I? Yeah. Will you be able to talk to me about it though? What if they're like, you can't say anything? What if the first rule of the Illuminati is you're not supposed to talk about it on your podcast, and then once you do, you immediately get disqualified? That's not true because I feel like Joe Rogan has definitely talked about it. What Joe Rogan's in the Illuminati? Probably. I don't know. He seems like he should be. I mean, I feel like he and Garnett Foster would probably hang out. You're probably the same person, to be honest with you. <laughs> That's his, like, alter ego. So what's up, Mike? What are we talking about today? Uh, the Illuminati. Uh, no, <laughs> we are talking about something that, I don't know, I guess it's, it's not a hard topic to talk about, but it's a hard topic to wrap your head around because it's, like, something you can't see. But it affects everybody, especially people in America, Ooh. people who are immigrants, people that, you know, from countries that have had, you know, thousands of wars and skirmishes, so pretty much the entire planet. But uh, generational trauma and families, because, mm. yeah, we, uh, we recently saw Encanto. And just with that movie and then also just what's going on consistently around the world, locally, nationally and globally i feel like there's just different versions of, of generational trauma that's affecting everybody and all our decisions like lately so yeah totally um, let's talk about it yeah yeah where where, where do you want to start because you know we could start with the film but i think we should wait and, and just maybe give some, everyone some definitions on what it is if this is the first time you're ever hearing about this yeah let's do let's like get through like the the boring definition bullshit. And then, <laughs> and then we can give all my opinions, which are far more educated and sound than uh, yes, of course. Uh, opinion. So according to health.com, which that sounds, how credible can that not be? Like, come on. Like, that's like yeah. I went to sex.com to learn how to have sex. Like, you know, you're going to get the right information. Cause this is like, they got the main domain. I mean, you uh, have to think like doctors would be responsible enough to take the health.com domain for themselves. Yeah. One would yes. assume. Yes. This is a WebMD. So, okay. But anyway, health.com yes. says that generational trauma is exactly what it sounds like. Trauma that isn't experienced by one person, but extends from one generation to the next. Mm. So that sounds, I mean, it sounds pretty obvious, but. You know, so is this like uh, like a biological thing? Is this like a like psychological thing? Is it both? I mean, how does this work? What is like? I well, from my understanding, it's a psychological thing because it can be it can be kind of like reversed, right. but it's like an ideology. So like like to to think like there are things that we are taught consistently in our education in our school, like me and you, the same because we're both from America, both from California. There are mm -hmm. things that we are taught that make that can easily be corrected with further education or a new experience. But based on, you know, how we were brought up, we're like, this is the way, this is how it is. You know, we both have, you know, married parents uh, who are like upper middle class who both worked uh, most of our lives. We went to college. Like there's things that we learned that we will end up passing on to our, our progeny and our children, not our progeny, but to our children. Um, and, 
that would be generational trauma. So there's things that you and I have that's brand new that we can pass on, but we, I want to talk about stuff that is passed on to our parents that was passed on to our grandparents that was passed on to us, you know, like right deep down. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a follow-up question just to be clear. So a lot of those things that you listed, those are, you know, maybe things that people would call like traditions or like, maybe like cultural um, okay. cultural things that are passed down. So let's get specific about how is it a, a trauma versus just like a cultural or like a thing of Okay. You know, well, I'm, I'm so going to I'll have some more from health so we can separate. Like, okay. Because it's not, it's not just a tradition. Tradition, that's, that's chill. Well, yeah. mm, maybe. Uh, <laughs> it can, yeah, it might not be. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you got like a Southern tradition, you need to like throw it in the trash. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Um, so health.com says it can be silent, covert, and undefined, surfacing through nuances and inadvertently taught or implied throughout someone's life from an early age onward. This came from a, uh, a licensed clinical psychologist and parenting evaluator named Melanie English. So okay, it's, it's a doctor. I know doctors can say anything because they be for the mask and not for masks, so we don't know. But... It's enough. Like it sounds, it sounds pretty legit. You know, it doesn't sound biased to me. Any, and then in the 1988 study, which is the year that I was born, so maybe I was the the crux of the study. Once I was born to this world, they were like, "We have the answers." <laughs> but in a 19- something, something just was in the atmosphere at the time this study was published. Exactly. And, yeah, it was a good year. Um, but in 1988, during this study, uh. Published in the Canadian Journal of Psychiatry, they found that grandchildren of Holocaust survivors were overrepresented by 300% in psychiatric care referrals. Whoa. So everybody, that's crazy. everybody, the grandkids, the great grandkids, everybody, they was up, they was getting therapists and shit. Um, cause it's cause it's a lot. Since then, Holocaust survivors and their progeny, ha- ooh, there goes that word, uh, have <laughs> been the most widely studied group. But in theory, any type of extreme prolonged stress could have adverse psychological effects on children and or grandchildren, resulting in clinical anxiety, depression, and post-traumatic stress disorder. So basically what I'm hearing is generational trauma is like a stress stressor that's passed down across multiple, uh, you know, lineages in your family and maybe that's through, you know, stories that are told. Maybe that's through, like, behaviors that are taught. Maybe that's through, like, just just, just the stress of, of it. And, it. and it goes on to, it can be passed down, basically, is what this is saying. Yeah. So this, that's really no. interesting. So this is, this is my take on, on generational trauma. I think, because it's also called, like, inter, I think intergenerational trauma as well. And so, like, it, this is something I also think that falls very closely with, like, internalized racism or internalized homophobia or internalized, you know, sexism. Like, these are things that can only truly be solved, broken, and corrected by the group that it affects. This is, some, this is something that, like, like, a white person can't come up to a black person and be like, I'm going to cure your generational trauma. No, just them saying that is bringing, giving me trauma. <laughs> so like, <laughs> or, or the same thing, like someone who's like, my family has history um, within, you know, the Nazi 
Nazis and they're like, but I'm gonna like cure the generational trauma of your Jewish family. No, 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 you're not, you're not. Let's talk about something else. Uh, so same thing, same thing like internalized racism. It's not like a white person can come up and say, like, you black people need to get along better. Like, let me fix this. <laughs> Imagine a Karen saying some shit like that. Uh, like when they I, say, I think, I think they frequently do, they do. Like, <laughs> oh, what about Chicago? What about Chicago? Black on black crime. Like, oh my god, get out of here. You already know everybody kills the same people that they look like. Because tribalism and shit. Um, and also racism. But let's not get into that, per se. And with generational trauma, like, it's something, these are things that me, my parents, my siblings, my children one day, I have, we have to all find ways to break these down and, and, and correct these generational traumas or get the right help because we know how it feels exactly. We know what to look for. We're the experts on it. Now, mm-hmm. everybody else is just some outside opinion or outsider who doesn't really know the, you know, the full story or even knows what it feels like or how, you know, what, how it's mentally affecting us. And these are things that, like, with my family, for instance, like, Black culture doesn't normally talk about mental health in the way that we should. Things are, things are slowly changing now. Uh, but overall, on the grand scheme of things, you don't see rappers out there like, majority of them like i got a whole album that's about mental health like no that's not a thing like i feel like that's <laughs> happening like now like the probably it, albums are being recorded about it right now you yeah know? now now yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely it's definitely changing but for the longest time it wasn't like that which that would mean that there is a whole set of generations that don't give a fuck about mental health like that or don't know about mental health they're still in charge. So the patriarchs and the matriarchs of those families. Like right. with my family, for instance, it's my my mom and my dad, his older siblings and stuff like that. They're from different, they're from a gener- different generation, but they're also promoting things or doing things within the family that they learned from generations two or three before them, which can be fucked up. Because think about black people in America, for example, the... There, there are people in my family that were slaves. There are people in my family that were ducking and dodging, you know, the KKK on the middle of, you know, the street <laughs> trying to beat them up. People trying to spray them with water hoses. They had these different drinking fountains type shit. You know what I'm saying? Like they had segregation and all that stuff like that. So if you, if you have learned behaviors, how to navigate a world like that, they're probably still teaching things to me. Or it's things that were ingrained in my traditions or passed down to me, traumas that are passed down to me, that I still act that, I'm still responding that way, and that world doesn't completely exist. Now, I'm not saying racism is gone. We're not in a post-racist society. But we are definitely in a different world than 1952 or a different world than than you know the 1600s, whatever, 1500s, whatever slavery was. Would, would you say, based on your opinion, that this statement is accurate? It's almost like there's like a way that each person or each generation is like coded, right? Like they all have like a script with like different lines of code that sure. all go together to have, figure out how they function in society. And like those, and the way that coding works is like, you know, all the lines of codes are all like, in brackets like underneath each other right so there's like a, a master piece of this whole thing that 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 then gets added on to over time so each new generation still has some of those like lines of code that maybe they don't need to operate in their you know 
in in their the world that they're you know coded into, so to speak. Would you say that yes. that's accurate? Tell tell me you work you write for like tech and technology and shit without telling me you write for technology. Okay, but anyway, <laughs> I, I feel like I would be much uh, I would have a much better verbiage if I. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I no, I think that is a great example because think about the technology we have now and the software we have now and the way how things have changed. If someone is still using code from 1962 on a 2022 computer, things ain't going to be working right. Processes ain't going to be happening right. Programs going to be all fucked up. You have to change based on a new operating system, right? And yeah. a lot of my people, my family are still operating off of fucking DOS. And I'm like, nah, nigga, we, <laughs> we passed DOS. You need, to, you need to upgrade your shit. You need to get a whole new iPhone because you still it's got an iPhone Python. 3G. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We texting and shit now. You over there writing letters and shit with a quill pen. Uh, <laughs> Waiting like, for the owl to come invite you to yeah. the Illuminati. Uh-uh. You wait for the Pony Express and shit. What the fuck? Nah. Uh, um, so, yeah, okay, that's, yeah. That, it, that's a great example. And I think it's so interesting because I think one of the biggest things, you know, I mentioned, touched on it just a little bit earlier, but I think racism is one of the biggest generational traumas of like America, especially mm-hmm. uh, obviously the world, but America on so many ways, because we all fucked up by it. Well, it starts with slavery. It yeah. starts with slavery as like the, the original sin, so to speak. That's the original malfunctioning line of code. Well, and then every well, other oh, before God. slavery was just the relationship between the indigenous people and, and the settlers. That's true. That, Colonialism, that, I guess, would be yeah, the original. That, yeah. That set up already a bad, like, ooh, they were, it was already a superiority complex and the separation of dark yeah. skin versus light skin. We own this place now. You getting evicted. Yeah, totally. And so it starts there. And then, yeah. you know, that's the first, the first wrong thing. And then, you know, you go add slavery onto that where it's like, oh, we want people to work for free. And so we're going to take these people we think are inferior yeah. and then we're going to tell other people, you know, that, you know, yeah, it's okay that you're poor. At least you're not a slave. And then, you know, it goes on and on from there all the way to where we are today. And it still is this thing where we're trying to reconcile it and figure it out as to why, what, like, why, why, why is there still racism today? Oh, how, why haven't we solved this? It's because it's this thing that has, you know, kept going for generations. It's, yeah, and it's fucking us all up. And it, the crazy thing is, is like, because you can even look, like, you don't have to take my word for it. You can, like, I sound one of those people on, like, YouTube, one of the, like, QAnon. You don't take my word for it. You can see the research. But uh, <laughs> you can look, you can look up statistics, you know. People always try to throw statistics at black people as, like, uh, we're going to throw this at you to disprove your, that racism is still a thing. And, I'm like, and we're just sitting there like, no, Negro, like you, I mean, not Negro. No, nigga, you, uh, <laughs> I correct myself to say the N word. But because Negro is, yeah, wrong thing. My bad. Anyway, they like, no, nigga, like that's not actually disproving that racism is a thing. It's actually proving to me that racism is a thing. Like when you show me statistics and, and demographics and all these different things of like Chicago or whatever, you know, you're, your stupid point where you're like, see, crime is higher, or black people get arrested more, or black people fill up more of the prisons, or black people commit more crime. Like, no, you're just showing me that the legal system and the justice system is focused only on the black people. That's right. what you're showing me. So like you're not you're not proving your proving yourself right. You're actually just helping the case of like that racism is a huge uh huge disparity in America. Yeah. But uh with with the with the trauma per se I think, like, 
it's so difficult because this is something that you can't see, like the definition said earlier, and it kind of is all based on like a feelings or emotions or just learned behaviors. And so everybody can say, like, it's so long ago, just get over it. But what they don't understand is like it's hard to get over it when we're, when there's constantly new things that are brought up that are bringing us right back to that to that to those traumas. Like how you treat me when I'm trying to get a loan or trying to get a new job or you know by example worked in the restaurant business for almost twenty years and then I go to apply somewhere and they're like you can start off as a busboy type shit like that that kind of stuff. What do you think that's going to do to me? You told me that my 20 years of experience doesn't matter. I can be the lowest person in the totem pole, scrubbing the floors, being bossed around by people that are 10, 15 years my junior. You don't think that's going to bring up the trauma of the 60s, the slavery, the, <laughs> the servitude? Come on now. So yeah. like, it's, it's, it, it can't be something that just like you just get over. So it's like, it's something that definitely... It takes it takes like medical help. It takes you know uh, psychi- psychiatric help. It takes breaking down certain systems and certain ways of of doing things, whether it's through business or through your family or through society. Church is a big one. A lot of it's, it's breaking those things down so that they don't continue to teach the wrong thing. Because then it just keeps bringing the trauma up. It's going to just keep coming up. Yeah, because I would say another one of those generational traumas, I don't know if anyone really lists lists it as that, and I don't know if it would technically fall into that category, so you tell me, would be maybe toxic masculinity or like toxic masculine culture is like how, what it means to be a man and, and all of the like culture's ways of telling uh, men what they need to be or how they need to act or how they need to behave. And then that's passed down and that creates all these um you know, prop carry on effects and problems, uh, problematic yeah. behavior too. Yeah, I would say yes, because those because you can see it being challenged, or you can see it being promote or promoted um, by if like the, the idea that girls have to do pink, everything is pink, boys everything is blue, boys be strong, play football, play sports, girls be dainty, ballet, be a lady, all that stuff. That's from that's from way back. You know, so like we're yeah. still holding on to those things, um, but then also like it it still can be very cultural, generational trauma because like for me there is there is the masculinity, but then there's also the masculinity that's based upon survival of operating in a racist country. Mm, so like you got to be a strong man because at any point they can come here and burn your house down, kill your kids and put a, you know, cross in your front yard type shit. And it's like, mm, can that happen? But then it's like, actually can probably. Yeah. So how, so how am I supposed to get over it? When like, it's like, they're not wrong. They're the fact that they're focusing on that and letting that be the whole drive of their existence. That is wrong. That needs to be fixed. But the thing is like, my I I do have to navigate or operate a little bit differently based on who I am, based on American history. Yeah, that's true. But do I have to like put my keep my head down? Do I have to like not speak up? Do I have to not challenge uh those those laws? Do I have to no 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 like yeah. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna stir some shit up. Um I'm not gonna, you know, I'm I don't I don't have the same exact fears as like I guess if you look at back at like every civil rights leader in the you know sixties and all that stuff like that, we always talk about Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, 
uh, Harriet Tubman. She's not a civil rights, but we talk about Harriet Tubman, we talk about Rosa Parks. I'm just naming these like notable people that have been whitewashed at Morse. Not mm. white, not they're not whitewashed. The history of them was whitewashed. Yeah. We talk about them like everybody loved them when they were when they were hot and you know hot and ready and, and on the scene. That's not true. Because with the exception of a couple, every single one of them were murdered. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, if if everybody loved them, if they were like, oh, you guys, you should be more like Martin Luther King. No, I don't want to be like Martin Luther King. <laughs> Martin Luther yeah. King was fair for his life until the day he was assassinated. Like, what are you telling me? What? No, no, no. By by a white person coming up to me and saying I should be more like Martin Luther King, you're telling me is that I should like just understand that I live in a racist world and like do the best that I can to stand up for myself. But like, if somebody comes to kill me, I was asking for it. I don't know. It's like, it just, I can take that. I can take that any crazy way. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, uh, to, to continue the conversation specifically about generational trauma, I saw a short film that was actually connected to Encanto um, that you haven't seen yet. Um, but this in my mind, as I watched this movie, I immediately thought about generational trauma and, basically how all of it goes down and like this, the cycles of it. And it's really interesting. So it's a short film. Um, it's a uh, Disney animated short film called far from the tree. Uh, the writer and the director is Natalie Norgat. And uh, basically it's about this. I mean, I'll just read you a little bit of the synopsis here. It's a small baby raccoon um, that, you know, they're, they're traveling through the forest and they reach the edge of the forest and they're on a beach. And, you know, once they get to the beach, the baby raccoon is like excited by everything. But the mom is like really, really protective of the kid and like yeah. trying to make sure the kid doesn't go out. And, you know, it's really kind of scary and mean, you know, and she's got this kind of nasty scar on her face. Um, and you kind of think, wow, this 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 raccoon's pretty serious. This, you know, the baby's just trying to play with a new seashell or chase these birds and all this and then basically long story short you get to the point where um the the, you find out there's a reason why the mom is acting this way and it's because there's i think like a wolf or a dingo or something on the beachfront and it's like about to get the baby and it's like this baby runs away from the mom the dingo finds him all alone and the dingo's like chasing him down and like basically gonna get snatched up this baby and then the mom has to you know run out there scratch the um scratch the the dingo and then like grabs a baby and like runs up the tree and like the mom is so mad at the kid that she like scratches his like nose so she scratches him like you can never do that again kind of thing mm. and the baby's like pretty traumatized by that so then it cuts to a couple years later and the, we see the same raccoon now grown up as a mom with a scratch on her nose and she has her own baby and basically, long story short, the whole thing kind of plays out again, except this time it's the baby we saw before as a mom trying to keep her baby safe. And it comes to the situation where, you know, there's a dingo again, and the mom is really scared for her. But this time around, she basically thinks she operates a different way. She takes the baby up the tree, and she shows the baby the dingoes. And she says, like, basically, you need to watch out for those, um, you know, those dingoes. I mean, they don't speak, you know, it's animated, but like you can kind of see it going on. Yeah. And she shows like, this is what happened to me. And she shows like the scratch on her nose. Um, and so it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you kind of show by, um, 
you know, you kind of tell the story of what happened as opposed to like having to live it yourself to warn yes. them and kind of demonstrate through like what you went through in order to protect them um, from it, going through the same thing you went through. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a lot that I can like, that I can play off of this or be like, cause I haven't seen it, but I, based off of, you know, having, cause I like, the thing is you, you also have some Jewish traumas, of course, but like, obviously mine are easy to pinpoint cause like blackness or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but based on that movie, like, there's two things here. Because that mom scratching her when she was a child, that only happened because of the dingoes. Like, so it's, it, yes, she reacted not the right way, but it was a, it was a reaction of the first action, like of the first, of the first incident, which is the dingo scratching the, the nose. So this is, when you think about it like that, like, that's how, that's how I was able to get over some arguments or tiffs or things I've had with my parents and stuff like that. Cause I'm like, okay, yes, you might've hit me or you might have like, you might've said something that was off or crazy, but I'm going to give you, I'm not giving you a pass, but I'm going to try to understand. Cause that wasn't, that wasn't the impetus. That wasn't what started it. That, that is, that's the result. That's the reaction. That's the second scratch. Like my mom and dad, like yelling at me or saying something crazy to me is a second scratch. The first thing was was based on something else that happened was the dingoes. Mm-hmm. So it's like I have you have to understand where it comes from. You know, it's like my your parents don't act the, the the way they are, or families don't act the way they are, or cultures don't act the way they are out of nowhere. It's because this is passed down. Okay, so that's that was great. But I do have to issue one correction because I'm rereading over the synopsis here. This has been a minute since I saw this. So I'm just going to just so that everyone, you know, knows what happened here. So the coyote is the one that actually scratches the nose. It leaves a scar across the kid's nose. I thought you and said so, that both of them, they had two scratches. No, you just made no, this no, up. So the, so the mom has a scratch on her eye. Yeah. And the baby, the first baby we meet, has, gets a scratch on her nose from the dingo. Because the dingo almost gets her. Sorry. <laughs> coyote. Yeah, so the coyote gets the... the gets Okay. The, yeah. I mean, the animal doesn't matter. But, okay, so the both, so both person already has a scar. Yes. yes. That, it's yes. like emotional scars. Like, yes. I have emotional scars from what happened to me. I don't want this to happen to you. But by not wanting that to happen to your kid, you give them the emotional scar. Exactly. So it's like, I didn't get the same reason for you, but you gave me one too. What the fuck? So like, it's like, yeah, uh, th- yeah so that, that correction makes sense. But that, that is I, I, what happens because families or parents act a certain way and they're like, I'm doing, I'm being this way because of what happened to me. And they don't realize that that trauma that they're putting off or projecting onto their, to the progeny ends up creating the same feelings or traumas just a new version of it than than the first one. Uh, so it's like, I don't know, like how you said how she corrected the behavior and instead showed the the, the baby the coyotes and was like, avoid the coyotes. And then that, explained that's where I got my scar. Yes, that's what needs to happen. Like yeah. in my family, like, you know, I I, I don't, my parents, they, they're pretty all right. But before them, you know, generations, who knows what history is in there. I don't even know a lot of the history. Even not knowing a lot of the history of my family is rooted because everyone says, I don't want to talk about it. 
It's too, it's too, it hurts too much. You don't need to know about that. You're just a child. You need to move on. That what happened, it happened. And I'm like, okay, but see, you don't, if I don't know anything about anyone that was murdered in my family, if I don't know anything about how the law treated my family, I don't, if I don't know the medical history of my family, then I'm just going to yeah. walk around this hot, like the world just with my head held high, like I'm fine as fuck. And then all of a sudden just drop dead at 42 because I'm like, oh, nobody even told me that we have, you know, A, B, and C or things have happened with people. So like you have to, you have to be that, that new mother with the, the scratch on her nose and be like, I don't want you to get a scratch from nobody, from me, the coyotes, nobody. And I'm going to tell it, you why. It's funny you bring that up because I just watched uh, The White Lotus. I know I'm late. But there's that whole you later tell. there's that whole storyline where the dad finds out that like his dad like he always thought his dad died from cancer, but then he found out like his dad actually died from AIDS because he was like secretly gay, um, and and so you know he he goes on the spiraling thing where he's like I need to be like fully honest with my son, and then it creates all these like you know hammer on effects like after that. Um, but what was funny was like. There, it was, it, the, the storytelling, this is not even what we're supposed to be talking about, but the storytelling was so beautiful because the daughter, you saw the traumas, like the things that she had going on, and it's and it's generational, similar similar things. Uh, and then the son, he like, nobody understands him like emotionally and stuff like that. And you see how he connects with like those, like the, the indigenous people like and rides the boat or whatever, stuff like that. Yeah, so, he like, finds like a community of people who he can like, just hang out with and, and relate to. Yeah. So like, it, yeah. and it's, yeah, so it, it was weird because that guy, he didn't even know, he really didn't know his dad. So his kid don't really know his kids. So it's like. Yeah. You uh, did the same thing. Yeah. So speaking, okay. Uh, so yeah, long story short, yes, long story short about that, that was actually the short film that they released. Because you know, Disney always, Pixar always has a short before their an, animated movies. That one was the one that came before Encanto, which is what we're supposed to talk about. Yeah. Um, so I saw this movie, you know, the Disney movies that have singing in it, like are guaranteed to be a fucking hit. Like, I don't think Raya and the last dragon didn't have singing. Uh, I haven't seen that one yet. I don't, I don't think it my I saw it. I don't remember anybody singing. They yeah. kind of, they kind of made that one like a little grown up. Uh, and I, I don't know why they did too much. I'm like, put some singing in it. Uh, cause it's Disney, but this Encanto, Encanto sings a lot. Um, and the music is popping off right now. And of course it is because like Lin-Manuel Miranda is yep. behind it. So you're like, does this, this kind of sounds like Hamilton and it's kind of <laughs> sounds like in the Heights. And it's like, oh, that's why. But you're like, you're like, why does this bop way yeah, harder why, than it should? Yeah. Why does it sound corny, but also like the best song I ever heard? <laughs> exactly. That is exactly the vibe. Like, yeah, I, I just literally had to describe his music. I'm like, this is, this don't even, this sounds whack, but also like I'm gonna listen to it 4,000 times. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the movie is about a family that was given like magic in response to the, the matriarch of the family, the grandmother, Abuela Alma, she, her husband passed away. Um, it was like the patriarch of the family. He, and then she needed like help. And then like, so the magic is like the help that like helps the family. But through that magic, they help the entire community and mm-hmm. hold the entire community up. This this one little family, the, the Madrigals or whatever. And so the Abuela, she has three kids, her two daughters, and they got their powers. One can heal people with their like 
with her food and another one can like control weather or something like that. I don't know. She start crying, the clouds pop above her head type shit. Yeah. Um, her, and they, her mood changes the weather. Yeah. Yeah. Her mood changes the weather around her. Yeah. And each of them have kids and their kids all have powers too. Uh, like the daughter that can, that can heal people through food. She has what? Two kids? No, she has three kids. Three kids. Yeah. She has three daughters. Her three daughters Two of them, one's really strong, one of them is like perfect, beautiful, can make flowers grow and shit. And then the other one has no magic at all. And that's the, what the movie movie's about her and their Mar- Mirabelle. And then yeah. the other sister, uh, who has the weather and clouds over her head, she has two children. And the, the story is kind of kicked off by her youngest child. Her oldest one can like transform into people. Her youngest one, oh, she has three kids too. Yeah, there's one that can hear the daughter yeah, can she hear has three. everything Correction. in the town. Yeah, she can hear really well. Then there's another one that can transform the people, and then the youngest one he gets his powers in the movie, and that kind of springboards this whole like the the you know the inciting incident of the movie. He can like control and talk to animals and shit. And the uh, reason why that's important is because Mir- Mirabelle didn't have powers, and so he's the first kid that came after Mirabelle. So everyone's really nervous that he's yeah. you know whether he's going to have powers or not. But he ends up having them. So, of course, Mirabelle's like, man, I ain't got no powers. Like, I tried to get my magic, and the magic just, like, flashed at me and then disappeared. And then, like, the grandma won't talk to me or, like, is very, like, very strict around me and very mean to me, kind of. And then the family, like, babies me and coddles me. Like, yeah, the the family basically, like, coddle, like they all try to protect her, pretty much, like, her feelings by, like, not talking about her in any way and kind of like being like, no, oh, you're, you're special, even though you don't not special. And it's like, that yeah. shit, that <laughs> shit, it can be dangerous. Uh, cause kids ain't stupid. And then, um, yeah. And so she doesn't have magic, but there's another child. So I named the boy last said she has three kids, right? So the two kids, one was a daughter with the clouds over her head. And the other one was to heal people through food. There's another son named Bruno who, mm-hmm. Nobody talks about him, and that's that song is the Bible. There's a whole, there's a whole song that's just called "We Don't Talk." We about don't talk Bruno. about Bruno, and it's a fucking hit. It's a hit. Like I can't wait for them to remix it. Little Wayne gonna be on it and shit. Okay, <laughs> but anyway, we uh oh Bruno, Mar- wait Bruno Mars needs to fucking do a remix. Okay, yeah, be like that we talking about Bruno obvious. today. <laughs> yeah. I'm so stupid, but no Bruno is gone from the family right now. He they don't even know where he's at. Like, oh, we don't know where he's at. We don't talk about him. We don't fuck with him no more like that because yeah. he's crazy. And everybody has their own little stories about why he's crazy. You know, and you should it's have like seen the movie. Al- yeah, you should have seen the movie already. So if you haven't seen it already, obviously his disappearance has something to do with like his prophecies and Maribel and what her actual future is. But he doesn't have it all figured out either. That everybody just misinterpreted it. Um, yeah. And then he ran away to protect her. But... The movie is like on the surface, it seems like it's just about the magic and just about this family like trying to hold things together because the house starts falling apart and stuff physically. The house, because the house is magical and shit like that, it can actually do shit like uh, because of their powers. It's kind of like a a metaphor for just like the family, right? Like the house is magical, the family is magical, the house is a part of the family, it's like the root of the family's power. Yeah. But all okay. First of all, all the grandma's power was is like her holding the damn candle. I was like, you don't need to be coming for nobody because first of all, your magic powers ain't shit. 
You <laughs> you just hold a candle, bitch. You ain't even got no powers like that. To no, she's the, head of the, she's the head of the household, but oh. she is the house, you know? Like, no, she's not the house. The house the house is separate. She is a caretaker. That's all she is. And she didn't, she didn't recognize that. That's the whole crux of the whole movie. That's true. It's like, she's an old-ass grandma who is barely can walk, you know, hobbling around and stuff, holding this little candle. And she talking about, oh, I, I got to make sure the magic is together. And so when Maribel goes to get her powers, and then the powers just, like, it, it, it flashes and it kind of goes away. Because uh, everybody gets like this magic door, I guess, that comes up when they get presented with their powers. Maribel's mm-hmm. door starts to appear and then disappears. The minute I saw that, my screenwriter brain was like, oh, her door did not disappear. Her door is the entire house. She has the same powers as a grandma. She's, she's, the, next, she's the next generation. She's a new candle holder. But grandmama don't want to let, let it go. <laughs> let the damn candle go, grandma. You want to die. So like it's uh <laughs> so that so that's why the movie like is ultimately about generational trauma because the grandma is so worried about this magic being gone and being like, Maribel, nope, you can't don't affect it. You messing things up. You didn't get magic like everybody else. You can't do this, you're gonna ruin everything. The whole time, Maribel was the one that has the best powers to hold everyone together. And throughout the movie, you see how she talks to each of her siblings who are struggling with their own identities and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They all start to like get po- more powerful through talking to her. And that, everyone's like, damn, when I started talking to you, all of a sudden I was super strong and shit. And then by the end of the movie, you're like, oh, because she is the next generation. Well, it's interesting because at first it almost seems like addressing the, the weaknesses of the power makes them weaker but in a way it makes them stronger which is kind of like addressing where you need help yes and then or where you're being held to a certain standard by your family verbatim because in the movie uh and near the end the big moment for the grandmother is when she finally comes like the house is fell down house gone because they they all fucked up right uh, <laughs> and the prophecy was basically that she was gonna, she was gonna break, you know, she was no, gonna destroy the house. No, the prophecy. That's all what it, everyone thought. That's what everyone thought. Was. All the prophecies showed was because like it was like one of those things where you where you move it and it changes. It shows her standing in front of the house and it stands her standing in front of a broken house. So it could have been that she builds the house after it broke breaks. Right. Um, not that she broke it. The grandma broke it. <laughs> the grandma hard headed ass broke that house. Because she was holding everyone to that same standard. To the old standards. So it was like, no, girl, there's a new thing going on. So uh, there's a moment near the end where the grandmother says, like, I need help, which was the thing that she said in the beginning is why they got the magic in the first place. And when she said she needs help, and she's like, but I asked for help, and then I didn't get any, she realizes when she did ask for help again, Maribel was born. Mm. So, oh, she's the new candle. Like, you don't need a candle anymore. Now it's just ingrained in the whole damn family. We're going to give you a whole, we gave you a super candle. Now it's a person you can talk to. And that's what people, like, in families need to understand. Which I've had this kind of conversation with my dad at some point. Because I was like, there's no reason for us to be battling or challenging each other. Like, oh, you're going to do better than me? You think you're better than me? And I was like, I can't be better than you because everything I do, I am you. Mm. So, like... Hey, whatever, I have your last name. I'm your genetics. So if I become president of the world, you just became president of the world. If I become 
the smartest you know, astrophysicist in the universe, you just became the smartest astrophysicist in the universe because like, I am your progeny. I am your product. I am your legacy. I am your investment. Like whatever, you know, that was, it was a good conversation out because all I was doing was saying all of that so I can get a laptop. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but I think but, he fell for it and I got my laptop. But, but don't you think too, though, that that is part of the problem where, where, like yeah maybe sometimes parents need to hear that but also sometimes parents like know that and that's why they hold you to these like incredible standards because they want because they or or, or uh, sometimes it's a, a, a high standard sometimes it's a double standard sometimes it's like they're trying to live vicariously through you i mean so many people have so many different situations like that where um family is really hard on you because they're trying to be they're coming at it from that hard-headed place of, well, this is how I think it needs to be done, or this is how I want to be represented by you. Yeah. And I think that changes. That, that no, can that, a, yeah. that can be a problem. Cause, yeah. But that, see, that's the parent. Like how I, now I name two things, like astrophysicists or, or president of the world. They need to be okay with options. They can't, they can't say, oh, at three years old, guess what? You're going to be uh, you know, president of the world. And like, that's it. Because then the kid's like, I'm trying my best to do this. And he's like, oh, fuck, I became an astrophysicist. They're like, nope, you failed. Like, no, you can't give you can't give one trajectory, one path. Like, parents need to think of things as an, in my nerd language as a multiverse. There are many routes that I can take. <laughs> many roads all lead. <laughs> yeah, they all lead. You know, they all lead back to one, which is you, mother and father. But I can take yeah. many paths. Uh, yeah, so like that's, that's kind of... Uh, the gist of, of Encanto and how it relates to generational trauma. And that and that, that's why the movie hit me. It hit me all over the place because I was like, wait, I am, I'm like Louisa. No, because I was like, I'm not the strong one that holds the family together. I'm I'm emotional wreck. I'm a cancer. I'll be crying and shit. So like, I'm not that. I'm not the buff one. And then I was like, well, maybe like I'm one of the like younger ones that are like the, like the kid that can speak to the animals. I was like, maybe so because... You know, my identities and stuff make me able to, like, communicate differently with different types of communities and people that my family are. But then I was like, wait, nah, I'm I'm for sure Bruno. Because <laughs> Bruno is, like, the misunderstood one, but, like, is doing his best to, like, represent the family and support everybody and, like, as much as he can. Because he can't do it financially. He can't do it even, like, psychologically for so much because, like, I'm all over the place. He's a he's a truth teller, right? So he, yeah. he tells people the truth, but sometimes the truth is hard to hear. He tells it like it is. He is the <laughs> one that is going to tell everybody, hey, I know what the generational trauma is because I, I can see the future and predict shit. But everybody don't want to hear, you know, everybody don't want to hear the pitfalls and the in the valleys. They want to only hear the peaks and the the winds. Right. So I, you know, through my writing, my literature, this podcast, all the types of things, I think I'm definitely have I definitely am talking a lot or sharing a lot more than my family wants. But so that kind of separates me from them because they're like, oh, he's telling all our business, he's telling all his business, he all putting shit on the internet. Uh but I think it's going to help us in the long. Yeah, well, because the one thing we didn't say about Bruno was, you know, yes, he ran away from home and no one's seen him in years, but mm. secretly he's been hiding in the walls, hiding in the pulling wall. the strings, literally filling the cracks in the family, uh, in the in the house, in order to keep the house together. 
and yes. he, you know, loves them. He just can't be with them because he's worried that, you know, it'll like hurt them or It'll cause problems, cause more problems because of, you know, what he predicted. So in that same way, it's like you have to kind of do what you need to do to, you know, embrace your role and also, you know, share your talent. But yeah. with that comes, you know, there's like trade-offs, you know. Oh, yeah. I definitely see I there that is so it is who I am. Like it just there's no doubt about it. Cause like taking away that my hair is fucking crazy and like I'm weird. Like <laughs> there are many times that I do get worried that my family will think that my influence was negative on the people that are younger than me, my sister, my nieces and nephews and stuff like that. And what I mean by that is like if they have any progressive thought, if one of them suddenly one day is like I might, you know, be trans, I might be this, or I might, you know, whatever it might be, it's easy to be like, oh, it's all your fault, Michael, because you, what, you, what you said and what you were doing and how you were acting, you brainwashed them and made them this way. I don't want that to happen. So by by me, in turn, not wanting that to happen, there's many times that I opt out of being that involved. Because I don't want, I'm like, I'm like, my shit gonna brush off on somebody. So if, I know you want me to be all up in your in your Kool Aid and all up in the family like that. But if it's, I'm all up in the family, then the tattooed, pierced, bisexual man who talks talks about whatever is going to be influencing those younger people, and you're gonna be mad. So like, so it's like, cause if I, you know, I see certain yeah. people like that are forced to play football, certain nieces and nephews are forced to do gymnastics stuff. And I'll come in there and be like, you don't have to do gymnastics if you don't want to, you can play football too. Or you don't have to play football. You can be a ballet dancer. They'd be like, nah, don't you teach them that shit. You know, make them sissy. So it's like, I don't want to make anybody a sissy. I don't want to do that. Even though I know it doesn't, it shouldn't matter. I, I know that my ideals are very challenging to the generation generational trauma that looks like tradition mm, totally and don't you think that film did such a good job of of like sketching out like family roles like i feel like every family has a bruno like it's not just you oh, yeah. you know every every family has these like archetypes in it that's like it's so funny that it's always you know you know it's very common they're very com- like like there's always like the level-headed one who's like all about like focused on work but like trying to keep things together and then there's like the one that's like a little bit more sheltered like the one that stays at home and takes care of the parents like there's all these like everyone falls into these roles like time and time again yeah i i definitely have my sister like still lives with my parents i think so like that she very much is like the one that kind of is closer to them in that way physically so like it it makes sense, and then you know my brother my brother has his own family and stuff. He's growing his own kids, and he does. My brother is breaking a lot of generational traumas with his children. I will say that he's uh, he's a great dad. Um, but he's still you know he's still football football for boys and you know stuff like that. So like it is what it is. Oh yeah, is there going to be a, a Super Bowl at some point coming up? <laughs> oh yeah, I think I'm gonna watch it. It's in L.A. It's literally like down the street from my house. Wow, that's the most I've heard about it. Yeah. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't try anything. to drive anywhere on a Super Bowl day because you ain't going to be able to go nowhere. It's going to be fucked up out there. We're at the Rams Stadium? What else would it be? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know sports ball. <laughs> sports ball. I don't know this pig ball game. Yeah. Um, I don't know her. Yeah. So yeah. 
Yeah, Encanto is just it's just such a good representation. There is something else that I do because I'm talking we're talking about family family generational trauma, but I think another big generational trauma that is still kind of rooted in racism for me um, mm-hmm. is our country, how it's operated. Yeah. Like, not only is the generational trauma something that you can't see, it's also something we can physically fucking see. Like, Mitch McConnell is literally up there going like, uh, the niggas can vote too because they're the regular Americans vote. It's like, <laughs> that's not what he's saying, but he should have said. He might as well have said that because it sounded sam- damn same. But by him saying, like, African-Americans oh, are like, and it didn't even pertain to the question that was asked. But by him responding with, like, well, African-Americans have just as equal voting chance or whatever. It's like other as Americans. all Americans. All Americans or whatever. It's like, well, you just or as us? Americans, I think. Yeah, as Americans, say. period. Yeah. He just uttered the fuck out of us. But yeah. he, think about how long he's been in politics. Think about where he's from. Think about what he knows, what he learned, how he behaves, his friend circle, his parents. If he act like that, like his mom and dad, damn, they had sharecroppers like that were AKA slaves, uh, just new age slaves. So come on now, like the way he's acting and he's still operating and controls our government in some way. So, I would say probably 90, 90% of our government is generational trauma. Yes, physically generational trauma. Like <laughs> your, body, your whole us. body is generationally traumatizing me. Generally, ge- generationally traumatizing us for three generations now too because old. none of them will retire. Too old, too old. Even Bernie Sanders, I'm sorry, feel the burn my ass. He too old too because he his mindset is still like white guy from the 60s and it's like, baby, it's different now. Right. Because he, he fights up until a point, and then he secedes, and he's like, oh, okay, you guys win. And I'm like, that sounds like some 1967 white boy shit. <laughs> like, you were fighting and doing a sit-in, and then you're like, oh, okay, whatever. The 70s will just be kind of racist, too. Yeah, <laughs> and just then, go home and, to my two yeah. houses. And then in the 70s, he's like, oh, no, I'm going to fight for everybody again. And he's like, mm, okay, I'll do a little bit, but like... Let's just make music and entertainment more fun in the 80s for people of color. And then the 80s came, and then he was like, see, things are more fun for you, bro. I was like, but we hate the gays. And he's like, oh, I'll fight for the gays. And then everyone was like, mm. Like, we'll just be nicer to them about the AIDS, but we'll still hate them generally. And he's like, okay. Like, he can't. Yeah, like, they still can't marry. Yeah. He still can't marry. Like, so it was a lot of like, Bernie Sanders is still acting like he's like that. Like, he's not, he is very progressive, but not of a new generation. He is like the abuela, where it's like, I get that you have good intentions. But you need to let the candle go. <laughs> Cause you can't hold on to it anymore. Your hands are too old and you're shaking and shit. You uh, I, will, I will say that's that's hilarious. I will say though that uh he, he I, in his defense, I think if you're if you've been going at it and trying to be progressive for that long, like you probably do have to take some some time out. You do have to you do have to take some L's. Like you can't just be going like 24 7 like for 40 years 50 but, years, 60 but years, i years. see i'm not not saying just him but i think progressive middle class white americans the reason why y'all had to fight so long is because you didn't fight hard enough in the very beginning yeah i can see that if you would have went all in night in the 1967s 1968 1969 1970 you wouldn't have to worry about still talking about this shit right now yeah, because it's one of those things where it doesn't di- apply to you directly. So you think you've got it over the finish line, and then you're like, "Okay, cool. Now I can go back to like benefiting from all of this and not yeah. think about it ever." And then it's like, "No, you have to be like, 
I'm going to stay here for 20 years and make sure nothing goes wrong and make sure that everyone is treated fairly. And I'm not going to take my eye off the ball for a second. And not knowing that all those people that they know that's what you're there for. So they figure out new ways to operate, operate around you. Yeah. And next thing you know, you realize like I put a bandaid on a broken leg. And so this shit ain't going to do nothing. Yeah. It's like, and look at us now. So I'm, I'm not knocking, you know, Bernie's work, but I'm just saying, no, They're, but it, it's the it's he's the like abuela. The, yeah, it's he's the abuela. Abuela. Yeah, it's like like yeah. you you can be here, but like you need to hit, hand the candle over to the younger folk to let them you know keep things together because they they don't Give worry. It to uh, Alexandria Casio uh, Madrigal, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's her, Louisa. She's Mirabelle. Yeah, She's Mirabelle. Because <laughs> they like this is the same thing I told my dad. It's like don't don't worry. What I'm going to do is going to be a variant triggering word uh, of your of what you established because I'm your child I'm your progeny so obvious don't worry I'm not going to change too much it's still going to be rooted in like what you know because you taught me this but I also learned from some new things and some new people new experiences that didn't even exist when you were around when you grew up so so it's just a new enhanced version of you don't trip you're going to still be able to use this operating system. You're going to, you're going to be able to figure it out because it's based on your old code. It's just we enhance the code now. It's a little bit shorter. It's easier to put in, and everybody can like figure it out. You, you like, use that. How, yeah, what's up? Do you, know, you know what this makes me think of? What? So there's a, a perfect example of this happening that anyone can watch on HBO Max right now. And you know what it is? It's a show called My Mom, Your Dad. Oh, my God. <laughs> Have you heard of this show? When you said that, okay, yes, I think I'm a little sick because I, I think I have a super COVID or something because I got it again. I don't know. But when you, you say your mom. Variant. Yeah, I got, the, I got the new variant. I got the Encanto variant. Yeah. Okay, I got generational trauma has manifested into a sickness. Mm-hmm. Yes. This is racism has. that is coming out of my mouth. Okay, anyway. I'm stupid. But when you said your mom, my dad, I was like, what? <laughs> like, what are you saying to me? What is yeah. this show? My uh, mom, your dad. It is my- a TV series um, oh, that is hosted by Yvonne Orji and oh, that is okay. created by Greg Daniels. And basically, it's like kids helping their parents try to date. Why do I know the name Greg Daniels? Because Greg Daniels created The Office, or at least wrote on The Office, if not created it. And Parks and Rec, and like this okay. is like a major showrunner. Yeah. So okay. the fact that he's doing a reality show where kids help their parents in a like Love Island style like party house try to date and find love again for their second okay, marriage. They're old. They, these are older parents, right? These are older parents. So the older children. kids are like eighteen to twenty, like early twenties. Okay, okay, know? okay. I was like, is it like five year old kids trying to help their mom and dad? It's like no, no, know. no. It's like full full adult kids, basically. Helping okay. their definitely older adult parents try to win at love. And like they're literally behind the scenes trying to give their parents the new code. <laughs> they try to tell them like what to do in order to succeed and like who to go after and, and all this I stuff. Mean, I mean, it's hilarious. It's but true it's exactly though. Exactly what you're talking about. Because imagine if you are if you're like a mom, uh, a widow, a widower, or a widow, and you're like 68 years old. You're like, oh, I can't meet anybody because they don't have like 
a soda fountain down the street like they did when I was a little girl. It's like, no, grandma, you can just, or mom, you can just go on the internet and look up other people that are your age. And they're like, what? So like, there is new languages and new ways to to date and to experience this stuff. And then, and, and on top of the online dating now, the, the newest one that's been hot since, you know, The Bachelor and Real World and shows like that is like reality television. Yeah. Like, you can meet people by going on a game show. So now they put their old asses on there and it sounds hot. I haven't seen it yet, but like, I want to watch it for two reasons. One, Yvonne Orgy, because she's amazing in anything yeah. she does. Shout out girl. Oh my god, I was said girls. Shout out insecure. Shout out, yeah. Not girls. Uh yeah. shout out black girls, aka yeah. insecure. It's come on, so she's great. She's hosting it. It's gonna be funny. But then on top of that, I'm like, I've been very interested in seeing older people date and and do the freaky shit that I you know we do on like Love Island and it's a really interesting. I mean, obviously it's complicated for the kids because they're watching these hidden cameras. Uh, and so they see their parents like would, actually interacting with people, and you know, a lot of times it's cringeworthy, or a lot of times it's like, oh, I hope they, you know, I don't want their hearts to get broken. Like it's oh, a very see, complicated. That's so sweet. Yeah, I would be, I would be the sweet version. Like my parents are still together, but like if they went on a show like this, because I think they should go on a show for like swingers or something, do some freaky shit. <laughs> <laughs> They would get so mad at me for saying that. But, like, why not? Live it up. Do some new shit. You live in Vegas anyway. What the fuck? That's Sin City. How you going to get mad at me? And I live in Los Angeles. I'm city just, of Angels. City of Angels. You live in Sin City. So let's talk about that for a minute. Okay. Uh, I never. I didn't use that one before. I, wait till we argue again. Okay. But Give you some new, some new data. Some new data. Some, some, back, some, some new, new stuff. Some new things that break down this generational co- trauma. But I think... Yeah, I just, I would be very interested in, like, promoting, like, older people trying to get in love. Like, let's do this. Let's get into it, so. Oh, yeah, it's great. I mean, I, I, I highly recommend. I mean, if Greg Daniels like it, likes it and created the show, Greg Daniels has a great sense of humor. So you know that it's at least going to be funny. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it's a great, it's a great concept. And then just watching it play out, I mean, I've, I've seen the first episode, and I love it. I, I hope it will stay as awkward as it is. Because so far it is so delightfully awkward, um, and it's everything I could have asked for and more from that show. It's, it sounds perfect. Oh, so okay. Also, why that's they should have got Grandma on Kanto. They should have helped her find someone new because she was single this whole time. So they should have put her on that show, My Mom, Your Dad, or whatever, Your Mom, My Dad, and found <laughs> her somebody so she could drop that candle because she was holding on to that shit like a dick because she had none for so long. <laughs> the the shock. The I shock that leave. just crossed over Ain't my nobody face. talking about that. a Disney movie like that. <laughs> I need to go home. You need to go home. Uh, too bad we're in a pandemic and I am home. Yeah. Um, no, but yeah, she should have went on that show. But something else that I wanted to talk talk about with Encanto that I loved uh, is that the the variety and maybe Lin Manuel and, and Disney and all them realized that everybody was coming for them because when they make movies about people from other cultures that are brown, they make everyone the same shade, and it's like that's not how it looks. The movie, there are people within the family that are like Afro, you know, is it a Cuban family or Colombian? Colombian. 
So like they like they have like the Afro Colombian, so they're like they're very dark skinned. And mm, and yeah. I and they're played. I'm looking right now. They're all they're played by actors that are actually of different skin tones. Oh yeah, that's true. So everyone, we didn't really talk about any of the cast. Like for instance, one of the the dad that you were talking about that um, his son talks to animals. His name is Mar. The actor who plays his the character whose name is Felix. His name is Mario Castillo. Yeah, and he looks like the actor. Yeah, he looked like uh, what's his name, Leon Bridges. Okay, <laughs> he does. He does right, and then like his the son, you know, like the little bitty son that has the curly hair. The actor is looks just like that. Yeah, Robbie Conyers. Yeah, he has curly hair, and then his older brother, who's played by Camillo, is played by Renzi Felice, Renzi Feliz. So. We just got okay. We got like a correction from our producer <laughs> from that the show is produced. Wait, you gotta help me out with this, Grant. Oh, sorry, my mom, your dad is the name of the show. No, you gotta help me out with with the information, new information we got. Yes, yes. So the, Greg the Daniels produced it, right? Yes. Yeah, so it's produced by Greg Daniels and his daughter Haley Daniels. Yes. So, so not only did Greg Daniels produce it, he produced it with his daughter. Oh, look at that. See? That is so fun. That makes That's it cool. ten times more fun. So they're probably, because she's like, I need to like produce the younger people. You need to produce the older people. That's the only way we're going to be able to understand them. See, okay, that's one of those things where people don't understand also needs to happen, how they like... There's the diversity writers and stuff like that for like people of color and women and stuff like that. Age is also a big thing too. Yeah. So that's cool. And working together. Like yeah. that is awesome. But then um, also it's it's is it directed or the same showrunner. So we found out it's the same showrunner who did Love is Blind and another one. Married at first sight. Married at first sight. Married at first sight. So that's crazy. No wonder yeah. it's like it, okay, both of those shows it, feel like that. But damn, so they put it like, on HBO though, so that means it's raunchy. They try to be like they grown, so they gonna be fucking. <laughs> yeah, I mean they do drop they do drop some f bombs, but so far all we've seen is like a little kiss on the cheek here or there. Uh, see, I'll be in there like, okay, look, y'all old, y'all grown. Let's get some ecstasy in here. Let's get it going. We need to get y'all right and ready because y'all only got about five more years left of this stuff being even usable. So, like, let's get in there and let's get it. Let's get it going. Oh yes, See, no. <laughs> that's all Look I can say to that. The most, yeah. Some of, I feel like this is very ages of me. No, no, but I didn't it's say a great what show. age. So yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about. I could be talking about 35, 45, 105. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we had to share that we had to interrupt your previously scheduled programming to to bring you that up. Yeah, that I mean that actually makes it even that's such a cool thing to know about the show because that that shows you how it even relates to Encanto. Like, Grandmama, you need to produce the show with your granddaughter. Like, it's like it's it's mm-hmm. at, at a certain point you don't you could pass the torch. I didn't say you had to throw the torch at me and then you gone forever. Just pass the torch to me, cause I can hold it better. Cause I ain't, you know, my hands ain't got liver spots on them and, and, and rickety and shit. And, <laughs> and and then you can still be here to guide me and support me, which is what I even think our government should do. Yeah, y'all ain't gotta quit, but Mitch McConnell, you could just be a representative that supports the actual senator. For <laughs> I just think for as far as that goes, it's just gonna be like. Oh, it's just going to be eight years, maybe 
a little less or a little more of just awkward transitions, like in in government. Like, ugh, uh, it could get really weird. Yeah, I don't know. Things are changing. Yeah. I mean, like, it's definitely can't... changing. That's one thing that you cannot stop or deny. It's like you can't, it, it you will can't change. Stop it. You can't. You can't deny like especially age and time, like, the way how this operates, like, we, we're going, like, people will be like, oh, no, whatever, protect Betty White at all costs type thing. And I was like, y'all, I hate to break it to you, but we can protect her all we want. Like, when she starts to hit 100 plus, like, if the wind blow the wrong way, it's over. So, like, it's, and 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 then she passed. And it's like, she passed because she, she's older, you know? And yeah. then, But then on top of that, we're losing people that are even younger and stuff. Like, you get, like, meatloaf recently or whatever passed away. It's mm. like, stuff like that. Even if they're sick or not, it's like, things are going to, the world's going to change. The, the nature is going to change things regardless, whether you want to, want to ready for it or not. And, that, and that's kind of what happens in Encanto is the grandma's like, no, I'm going to hold on to what I know, which is that candle and the old way of doing things. And the house is like, I'm falling apart. I'm going to break down regardless of what you want, Grandmama. So like, because the world is different. I can't hold up like the way I used to. I was built on an old foundation. I was built with some old ass bricks and shit. This shit ain't holding up in this weather. The weather is different now. You got a daughter that even fucking makes the weather even more intense. Then So I got too much to deal with. <laughs> like, you, got all these people, you got all these people in the house now. It was just two of y'all, three of y'all when I first moved in. Now you got all these damn kids in here and shit running around. You got tigers and shit in my closets. and Like the house is like, I can't take this shit no more. <laughs> So the house, the house fell apart, and yeah. but the daughter was able to rebuild the house because of what she knows. Also, everyone's still there. Grandma, mm-hmm. are you still there? The cousins, the siblings, the mom. She and dad, made it stronger than ever before. Stronger than ever, and then the whole the whole village comes to help them build the house too. Oh yeah, that's awesome. And I was like, oh y'all, I hope like. I hope people are watching Encanto and really actually paying attention to what's happening and realizing that when people say defund, dismantle, abolish, that's what they mean. Like, the shit is already rickety and there's cracks everywhere. It's, it's, wave, it's waving about to fall over. Just throw that shit in the trash and abolish it, defund it, start it over. Now, let's rebuild it. But guess what? It's going to be better than ever. But we're afraid. A lot of people are afraid to do that because they're like, "Oh, it's going to take so much work." No, yeah. Do all that. Because Maybe. in a lot of ways, like sis, this current systems help you not have to think about things too hard or not have to go out of your way to help other people. It's like, oh, the system's set up, so the system will do it. And it's like, if a, you think of the system like that house, it's got so many cracks in it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So if the system is falling apart, it's going to continue to fall apart on you. Yeah, yeah. It's like you can only. Issue so many, so many uh, cockings, so to speak. Bruno can only be behind the wall, filling in so many gaps. You know, right with the rats. Yeah, the rats can only do so much. So you gotta, you gotta, gotta get a new software upgrade. I really liked Bruno. There was also okay the fact that he didn't have, he wasn't married to anybody, and everyone else was married to someone. I was like, this is giving me queer energy. I'm getting queer energy from Bruno. I don't care what people say, because you know, there's probably some some mom out there like, don't make this about that. These are just kids. They don't need to hear about that kind of stuff. Bruno is a grown man. 
but, but I know, but even don't matter if they're grown men or children, they say it's a children's movie, so they can't talk about that. But we need I'm, to normalize adult cartoons. Yeah, I'm gonna talk about that. Aren't that? I mean, like Family Guy's been around forever, but you know what Bruno I mean? Like, was sweet. Like stories are stories are. You know, it doesn't matter what the medium is. You know, he's a gay icon, and there, and that, there's nothing they can do about it. He was living in the fucking walls like the Babadook. He was fucking. He's a gay icon. <laughs> <laughs> with his fucking uh, Prada uh, poncho on. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he had that fan Versace poncho. Bruno so, Duke. Yeah, living in yeah. the walls with that with that perm. Come on now, and he got all of his little girlfriends and my little rats. Come on now, he's gay as fuck. <laughs> he's a gay icon. Uh, so yeah. Do, and, do you want to do you want to shout out anyone else in the cast? Otherwise, I think we should wrap it up. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're all great. It's an all fucking uh, Latin cast, so it's on it's on point, and everyone sounds beautiful. The singing voices are great too. I don't know if they were actually singing, but the singing voices are great. Stephanie What's Beatriz the- sang. Um, she played Maribel, and she's from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, she's great. She looks she could play Courtney Kardashian in the movie. I'm telling you right now. That you heard is, it here first. That is spot on. Wow. She could play, like, when they make the Kardashians movie, because they're going to make that one day, and it's going to upset all of us. Uh, <laughs> it's going to upset everybody. Also, what the heck? She was in Short Term 12? Yes. Wait a minute. Hold on. I can, wait, who was in Short Term 12? Everyone. Can we, can we? <laughs> Short Term 12 was low-key, like, onto something. It had Brie Larson, John Gallagher Jr., uh, Caitlin Deaver, Stephanie Beatrice, Rami Malik, Lakeith Stanfield. I mean, that was oh like my god, such a stacked cast. And then the writer and director, Dustin Daniel Cretton, he he's gone on to like direct. I think he just directed like a Marvel show, didn't he? Yeah, he directed Shang Chi. In the oh legend of Shang Chi. Uh, yeah, that movie was an incubator, like a, a Oscar incubator. That's crazy. Because Brie, between Brie Larson and uh, Rami, they both won Oscars already, right? Yeah. Lakeith Stanfield on his way. Yeah. But you know, it takes us a little while. Black folks, he got to be a cop that kills somebody or have sex with Billy Bob Thornton or some shit. But when he's he do al- that... He's already done, like, so much... Um... He should have got Judas and the Black Messiah. They yeah. Play, they playing games. But he was... Uh, I guess he was a bad guy in that. You wouldn't know. You haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we can end on that note. The generational, the generational trauma of Grant refusing to watch. Uh, that, that's just one of those movies I'm too hyped to watch. Lord Jesus. There's two. That I you need just to hate Lakeith Stanfield. Just say that. No, I love Lakeith Stanfield. Are you kidding me? He's like you my haven't seen The Heart of We Fall. Actors. The Heart of They Fall either. I know. This is, I want to watch it so bad, but it scares me. Okay. Well, Atlanta's about to come out too, and I'm not ready I know. That. I know. I need to just like get on get on the Lakeith train and never get off. I was like, there was like I was like, oh, there's been three seasons of, of Atlanta. And there hasn't, right? No, there's only been two. But I to me it seems like there's three because I swear I watched it so much over and over and over again. I could have sworn it was another season. But I just repeat it over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, that, that that is an iconic show, and I cannot wait to see season three. Okay, well, here's to breaking the generational curses. 
generational traumas, whether it's through our family or our government. Let go of the damn candle, old folks. Holding on to it like a penis. <laughs> and then, young people, don't forget, you are important too. You are the next generation of candle holders. Yes, but you can't do it without the support of the original candle holders still being around. That's true. See, gotta win so- them over. It might be might be messy, but you gotta work, work through the conflict in order to rebuild. Yeah, this we're great. We're going. We're going off the rocker now, off the handle. <laughs> Gone too far. Okay. Good, good night. Thank you for listening to Black Man in the Right World. If you like what you heard, please like, comment, subscribe, or leave us a five star review. For more, go to www.blackmanrightworld.com or email us at blackmanrightworld at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.